Welcome to Super Movie Brothers. Let's start the show. Here's Johnny! You're magic. Like me. I need you to listen to me. The world's a hungry place. A dark place. Hi there. I only met two or three people like us. They died. When I was a kid, I bumped into these things. I don't know about magic. I... I always called it The Shining. Super Movie Brothers. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Dave. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Jay. And this time around, me and Jay got a review to do for Dr. Sleep. And of course, Jay, you know I have a synopsis for this one. When I was a kid, there was a place. A place that's dangerous for people like me. People who shine. Nobody shines like you. Someday, Danny Torrance, you'll teach someone else. Danny Torrance is on a path to redemption after falling deep into a bottle years after his mother, Wendy, and him escaped from the Overlook Hotel. Now clean and sober, Dan begins to shine again when he connects with a powerful young girl named Abra who has unfortunately made the hit list of Rose the Hat and her gang of psychic mist-slurping psychopaths known as the True Knot. But the True Knot never bargained on Dan Torrance and all the fucked up things he's encountered being brought to the table in the sequel to both Stephen King's landmark novel and Kubrick's cinematic masterpiece. Wow. Yeah. Well done, David. Yeah, that's a, yeah, you know, true. Yeah. Good stuff. Good the, stuff. The trailer voice. Sometimes you got to sometimes you got to take it out. You, you know? have a good one. Oh, yeah, thank you. So, uh you can bring it down low in, in like my range. <laughs> yeah, I can't do that. Nice and low and no. boring. So, yeah. you <laughs> Historically, have never read any novel, <laughs> let alone Goosebumps, let alone yeah. The Shining <laughs> or Doctor Sleep. Notoriously, um, yes. And I've said on the show before that I'm not a huge fan of the Doctor Sleep novel. I found it extremely fan servicey, uh, ex- you know, to the nth degree in a lot of ways. But I was also happy to see that you didn't get too much into the hype before this movie came out. No, you I kind of went in pretty much with. Maybe seeing the trailer once or twice, but that's it. You didn't deep dive but into YouTube that. holes think, or anything. I think both of us, like, you went in fresh. The marketing for this was it, uh, obviously, for obvious reasons, they can't go too deep into marketing because they'd be giving away a whole bunch of oh, this yeah. story and a lot of stuff that, that that's going to be going on. And a lot of surprises, a lot of fun that you can have while watching this movie. It, and it could all be spoiled very easily. They did a good job with the trailers. So, yeah. I think they did. Uh, they did enough to to with the marketing to get me at least intrigued enough that I would go out here day one, but not so fervent for it that I that I wound up ruining it for myself or set unrealistic expectations going into it. Right. Uh, and that, that, that was my big worry with this film was that I really thought that this film was never going to be like terrible, but I worried that it was just going to be extremely serviceable and, and just fine. 
You know what I mean? Like, like, like that's what I was expecting going into it. I really thought like it at the worst, I was going to get Pet Cemetery. You know, at the best, I was going to get sure. something, something that that was at, at maybe least as thought- special as it. Perhaps exactly, you know, Some, something at least special, something I can at least sink my teeth into, something I can at least enjoy. But I, and I never, in any stretch of the imagination, would expect it to ever be a masterpiece to the level of Stanley Kubrick, you know, brought to us back in 1980. Or should you think that? You and know. and I don't think, and, and I think one of the first things Mike Flanagan set out to do while making while making this movie was that he 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 brought his own you know dp that he's used for Gerald's game and the haunting on hill house you know he brought he, he brought his cinematic sensibilities to the table to tell the tale he didn't set out to just copy what what stanley kubrick did right. prior you know he he didn't he didn't even try to recreate it he j- when he used scenes that stanley kubrick had done before he did them in his style mm-hmm. with his with, with 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 his cinematographer so i i enjoyed that because it wasn't pretending to be something that it wasn't it was just paying homage to what had come before and he did a good job with balancing the fan service, if you want to call it that, um, for the fans of the novel and also the film itself. Because it's, you know, this is a big time sequel because of the fact that The Shining is such a classic and a beloved classic. And it's not just because of Stephen King's novel. It's also because of what Stanley Kubrick did. Right. So I, no, Nobody was left out. Right. Going in to see this movie. You know, if you'd seen The Shining, you're good. If you read the book... You're good. If you are a huge Stephen King, you know, fan and you read all of his novels and you're you're into the lore and you're deep inside of that universe and you're going to get a lot of stuff here too. Yeah. There's a lot of easter eggs for yeah. you to pick up on as with a lot of the Stephen King films. So, uh Jay, let's let's get into our review spoiler free up front and then we'll do spoilers on the back end. So, you just saw it today. I saw it for my second time today, uh, just before recording cuz I wanted to I don't know, I wanted to see what else I pick up on, but I also there was also a few things that I was a little, I was a little fuzzy on. You know, I didn't even remember like the ending. I remembered the ending being a little bit more ambiguous. And when I watched it the second time, I was like, "Oh no, not ambiguous at all." No. Flat out spelled it out for me. There it is. Okay. So, um, but what did you think? What did you think of, of the film overall? Well, overall, I was pretty astonished with how good of a job that Mike Flanagan did with um, casting. I, this is a big ensemble cast, and I think everybody nailed it from little kids all the way up to uh, the villains being really well flushed out. Um, I thought it looked gorgeous. I thought that it did a great job of engaging everybody throughout this long, you know, runtime. It's a, it's a two and a half hour film, and it takes its time, and it's, there's a lot to chew on, and it's a great script, and it was really well edited. It's two and a half. Happy. It's two and a half hours that that do breeze by. Um, I, I don't think there was there was much wasted time. There was a lot that that Mike Flanagan actually had to cut out to stop this from being a three hour runtime. I could see that. I could see that. But at the same time, you, you know, it warranted it. I think he did a good job with having it well so well written and have all these characters so f- well fleshed out where you were completely engaged and I was not bored at all and thoroughly thoroughly happy with what I saw 
Yeah, as was I. Now, uh, you were talking about the casting uh, and how he did such a fantastic job. He did what a lot of great directors do. He brought in a bunch of people that he's worked with before. And that too. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of these characters ha- came from from his haunting from Hill House and, and, and from Gerald's Game as well, including Bruce Greenwood, uh, who who is in Gerald's Game. And we uh, I can't spoil who he plays in the movie, but Henry Thomas who was also in Haunting at Hill House. So, um, you know, he, he brought in a bunch of people that he's that he's worked with before. And you like seeing that because, you know, again, bringing his DP from, from prior, bringing the same actors that he's worked with before, he's building his repertoire. Sure. And you're going to get better performances because he knows what to do with these actors. They know what they like. They know what Jack wants, you know, and, and it's just going to be you know, one of those kind of things where it's just going to work out better overall for the film itself. Absolutely. Now, as far as, as far as visuals go, I thought he knocked it out of the park as, as, as far as the aesthetic goes, Mm -hmm. I thought as far as the story goes in, in, like we said, paying homage to both source materials. Uh, I, I think, I think they did a fantastic job and the acting, especially with Ewan McGregor was top notch i i loved ewan mcgregor in this um you know i i don't worry about him as an actor however you know no pun intended he's never really shined in many roles you know what i mean he's great in certain roles but as far as like elevating certain roles exactly he doesn't so much give have the chance or opportunity to do it and this i was i'm a big ewan mcgregor fan so this was something i was eagerly excited to see what he could do and bring to it and i was not displeased i was very happy and something that a lot of movies have struggled to do is set up a fantastic villain Mm. and they actually do it with rebecca ferguson's rose the hat God, I loved her. Yeah, she's she's fantastic because the oh. film does something great in the first in the first act. Uh, well, let's say the first two acts, really. It does something great where it catches us up on Danny's story very quickly, and then isn't afraid to leave him behind in service of introducing our new characters to the story of Abra and Rose the Hat. And we spend a lot of time with Rose the Hat. She's even the prologue to the film, even yeah. uh, and. You get you get this idea of of who she is and what her people are all about, and none of it seems very good because there's a scene that is extremely fucking disturbing with yes. our with with our kid who was in uh the who's in Good Boys oh, this know. year Jacob Tremblay yeah Jake you should know that name Jake you brought him up in a bunch I love of that things guy. So, but uh, he was from the Room uh so. the, yeah Room Room, room yeah. and and uh, this year's Good Boys yeah I didn't know he was in even in this movie it was a nice I. little surprise not at right and and there's a scene with him we don't want to spoil it here but it is. It is probably the most horrific scene in the entire movie. And while I was watching it, people who have seen it will understand what I get. I was getting Pennywise from from that very scene. And like, you know, the, the fear makes it better. And mm. tasty, tasty fear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just like, oh God, it's so creepy. But it was effective. And it was the it was the only moment in the film where like I cringed and I was like, oh I mean, it does have I had little a few, I had a element. few moments, but that was certainly the first time because before that it was all building it was building 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 and then all of a sudden you get the gruesome reality of what is going on with these characters and what the um you know the consequences of it all are and 
Mike Flanagan doesn't shy away from it. No. <laughs> so I mean, they they did a great job with establishing our villains. My only my only downside to the villains is, other than Rose the Hat, the rest of them are just fucking cannon fodder. Uh, none of them really get to stand out at at all, with the exception of maybe two. Yeah, Constance like who can yeah, Zan McLaren. Yeah. Um, he plays Crow Daddy. I liked him a lot in Westworld, and he's he's a good character actor. But yeah, but but honestly though, I'm oh, Rebecca Ferguson just killed it for me. First of all, she dressed like a girl of my dreams. Yeah, <laughs> like she was fucking cool and sexy as shit. The hat does it for you. That, well, it's just the outfit. It's not the. Hat. I don't know, man. She was. Ooh. So there's a moment that was uh, that, that that was in some of the promotional footage where I won't say what happens, but like she kind of gets like knocked back and the hat falls off her head, and someone goes to pick up the hat and hand it to her, and she quickly scrambles and touches the hat before anybody else does, and it was this nice like little character moment where it was you know it even though we're not in this movie we're not getting the story of the hat or or what its meaning is it's this character trait that's inside Mm -hmm. of her that that really flushes the character out more leading us all the way up to the end and i gotta say like a lot of stephen king stuff doesn't always have the best endings but this ending was a payoff. I mean, I, I, I don't think there's anything else that, that, that you could say. It's just it's just the ultimate Shining fans payoff. I think so. And the and the, the, the I movie, know a few people did not like the final act. It's one of those things where I'll say the, 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 the very end. I wasn't crazy about. Some people about, might feel that way, but I went with it and I loved it. And I yeah. thought it was ballsy and I thought it worked. I like the idea of of book ending our story with where the story began with with the Shining with with Stanley Kubrick's film. Uh, my only true knock on the film, I, I, and I guess it, it comes down to this may have been some of the stuff that was cut out of of you know what could have been a three hour long movie, is that a lot of the shine. We have a lot of people who shine in this movie. There's a lot of people using mm-hmm. this power and stuff. But now that you know, with the Shining, we only had to deal with Danny, so there there didn't have to be any set rules established to the powers and how they work and stuff like that. But now we're we're into this world, like like the world of the Shining and, and people who shine is kind of being you know the box is being blown wide open here. And well, there's no book, exactly. you know, there's no book on it all. They don't. There's no. They but, don't feed you there's any no kind of rules. real information, right? They just know that certain people have certain particular shine abilities. But the problem with that is you then have their powers start to just service the need of the story to get it to to, to keep it going. Okay, and, like and when you brought that up to me. I see what you're saying, and and I I can agree with that. So, but based on care. what we knew about Danny <laughs> going into it, now now look, I, I can hear people in their comments right now on Twitter and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, but Dave, like last week, you said that that there was some problems with Terminator Dark Fate, but you didn't care because you just went with it. Because in that story, who gives a fuck? It's time travel, right? So it's either all a joke or none of it is. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Uh, you know, I don't care that the that who was sending Terminators back in time for Sarah Connor to kill if Skynet was shut down, right? Because who cares, right? Who cares? Right. But in this, when when they've spent so much time, I, I feel like the time was spent crafting a world that when you when you do that, it, it feels like it almost cheapens it a little bit because Danny will do things in this that we've never seen him previously do before. And you can always say that that's because he's tapping into his shining more and it's because of this factor, that factor and everything. But it still just felt like at times their powers were only were, were only coming to light 
just to service the story, you know, like, and it almost felt like there was almost no effort involved in it either, even though Danny's doing something that is completely, what I would say is probably impossible for him. Now, for Abra to be doing it, this new character who's being touted as probably the most powerful person that any of them have encountered, it right. makes sense for her. But for, for Danny to do it, especially someone who spent so much time not using his shine ability, it feels like yeah, but I, I took it away feels of, dishonest a little bit to me. See, I took it as he was, say, her before, but he purposefully shut those doors, shut it down, shut it away, and ran away from it. He says it throughout the movie a few times, and then just plunged into alcoholism for the majority right. of his life. I'm just saying. So he muddled his opportunity to explore what his potential was. It's literally one scene is what I, is what I'm talking about. It's one, one scene. One in particular you're saying? Okay. Yeah, yeah. That we're, and and we'll, we'll, we'll do it. We'll, we'll talk yeah, about there's it. There's a couple spoilers. I can see where you can yeah. get there. But, but um, dude, that, I mean, I've been harping on it for, for too long because it's, it's, it's a minor gripe. It's right. honestly a minor gripe. <laughs> right. For for a film that overall I really fucking enjoyed, like, and that that's just what it comes down to. I, it, you know, it was a it was a feast for the eyes. You know, everything mm. that they did in painstakingly recreating some shots from The Shining, uh, taking other shots directly from The Shining, and I don't mean just like refilming them, like actually taking frames of The Shining in, and then from I, I got I got to give a shout out to the score, man. Like, it right. it has its own score throughout the middle, but. At that third act, oh, when we get back into the shining world. So good. Wom, bom, bom, bom. Ding. <laughs> it's just like, ah, oh, I love it. You're back in it. I love it. You're back yeah, in I it. Yeah, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I was thoroughly happy with this movie. I was shocked at how much I loved it. And there's a couple of times throughout the movie, I was just, I just noticed myself just so happy and just so engaged and so happy that they're pulling this off in in, in such a great way and this is somebody who doesn't even know the novel but i knew i guess you could say enough and i went along with it it was just perfect it was pitch perfect so happy with it i i to like even sitting here now after seeing it I don't know how Mike Flanagan really tiptoed the topics that he did in such an eloquent way that felt just it almost it felt, felt like natural. it was impossible to do, but, but he did it, <laughs> and he did it. He but he did, did it, it. And, and and you can't if you're a fan of the if you're a fan of Stephen King novels, I don't think you're going to walk away upset. If you're a, a huge fan of the Kubrick movie, you're not going to walk away upset. It 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 covers all of its bases. And and makes everybody happy. <laughs> I just don't know how he did it. It's it's pretty fantastic. Uh, Jay, you got a score for for Doctor Sleep. This is uh, an A for me. Solid A. Yeah, uh, loved it. This is an A minus for me. Um, I did I did feel that there was a few things in the film, like I like I talked about that mm-hmm. seemed like it was just doing it for for story's sake. And I would there's there's definitely a little bit more of character that i wanted to see built with danny there's there was just something missing there with his character for for me you know i i felt like they kind of glossed over for for a film that is very much the shining and this very much about addiction and 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 overcoming it and stuff it seemed very easy for danny to give it up you know what i mean i wanted to see a little bit more more of a struggle there is moments in the third Uh, act where where the struggles there again but it's very easily brushed aside um but that was like eight years later i don't know jay you're always an addict 
You're, I know. You're always know. an addict. Once you're an addict, you're always an addict. It, it, it forever. Yeah. <laughs> Once you start down the path of dark of the dark side, forever will dominate your <laughs> destiny. <laughs> so, I mean, th- th- that is one aspect of it. But then also the the powers, just just how they seem to be pretty convenient at times. Fair um, enough. I understand your point of view. I do. Um, but yeah, let's dive into uh, some. Yeah, spoilers, let's get into man. some spoilers. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. First off, a big thing. It didn't affect my score, but it really bothered me. Dan Torrance dies at the end of this movie. <laughs> that bothered me, man. I didn't. I, I didn't mind. He, he doesn't die in the novel. He does not. Okay. Die. He fights Rose the Hat. Um, he gets invited to Abra's. I believe it's her fifteenth birthday party. He doesn't show up, but he does. He does show up there mentally, like in her mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but he 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 eventually leaves her. He gives her a very much like a similar speech, like "Shine on, Abra Stone, shine on." And he he goes off and to to watch another person die, uh, or to to ease another person into the into the next realm. But I I felt like having him die was paying. It, it, it was almost too much of a mirror image of how the book The Shining ended and how how us as as an audience would expect this to end. I think the more unexpected thing would be for Dan Torrance to live through all this. Right. Um, but that's only for the book. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but for- it was one of those things where you could they, they chose to do it. They could have actually had him live easily. 100%. Easily. But um, if they ever, for any reason, did way. a sequel without Stephen King writing another novel about it, like let's say this film's so hugely successful that they decide they're going to move forward with with a sequel without a Stephen King novel. I'm almost thinking like a prequel for Rebecca Ferguson, <laughs> just <laughs> to follow like all those characters. You could you could very easily say that Dan at the end of this movie wasn't dead because no, like Dan doesn't say, "Hey, Abra, I'm dead." You know, he's just talking to her, mm-hmm. and then. Abra talks to her mother and mentions that that she was talking to to Dan and he's fine and the dead aren't sad you know dad's fine too you know, just because she lumped Dan in with dad you assume that he's dead but they can also retcon it and say that he's not sure so that it wasn't a gripe for me it just it just goes to show how much I actually enjoyed Ewan McGregor in a film and I enjoyed his character that I would like to have the idea that he goes on. Uh, I don't know if they have other adventures. It would seem a little a little disingenuous if they did have more adventures in the shining world, you know, but I'd like to I'd like to think that him and Abra kind of go inside each other's heads and sit down and, and talk from time to time. So uh, that, that, uh, that was nice to see at the very end. Yeah. And, and, the, and the final shot, the way they ended it with her was 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 perfect, I thought. Um, it was very fitting, and it was a nice little homage uh, to Danny yeah. as a young youngster himself. So another confronting his fears. Another thing that they did in this that's a little bit different than the book, but very much still happened in the book is the final showdown with Rose the Hat does happen at the Overlook Hotel, or at least where the Overlook Hotel used to stand in in the Shining novel. We talked about it on our movie cocktail. Jack didn't maintenance the fucking boiler, and it blew. It <laughs> blew and killed him and Wendy and and Danny got away. Uh, so in in the book, they go back to the wreckage that is left of the Overlook Hotel, and they basically fight inside Danny's mind. Now, inside Danny's mind, he brings a lot of people to help. His friend Billy makes it all the way to the end in the book. Mm-hmm. Abra is is there as well. Like like that whole plan with the rabbit that they use in the middle of this movie at the end of the second act is actually the end showdown that they do in the book. 
Um, except there's one spirit who shows up while they are fighting inside of Dan's mental recreation of the Overlook Hotel, Jack Torrance shows up to Danny's aid. Now, if Jack Torrance showed up to Danny's aid in the in the Doctor Sleep novel, that 100% makes sense because at the end of the Shining novel, Jack Torrance balks on killing his son mm-hmm. and instead starts bashing himself in the head uh, to allow Danny to escape, giving himself like this ultimate hero sacrifice who was able to to fight off the the hotel's possession long enough for his child to escape and die himself. Um, so having Jack show up in Doctor Sleep as a hero makes sense because he he had that turn at the end of The Shining. For movie viewers, though, the people who only ever saw The Shining movie, Jack never has that turn. There's never that moment where Jack comes back to right. his sanity for a moment. Right. So they had to walk this this neutral line with Jack Torrance. And he shows up. Henry Thomas plays him, uh, yeah. except he's not the caretaker, even though he's always been the caretaker. Sure. He shows up as Lloyd the bartender. Right. And, and of course, you know, Danny keeps... Take your medicine getting confused you know he's as far as envisioning that's what he thought his father would be right. or would look like and very that. brilliant move on mike flanagan's part Makes sense to show jack torrance only in profile right mm-hmm. they they did a good enough job with makeup to where it's it's not a dead-on likeness for him but it's believable but as he, enough as, but as an eight-year-old you're not going to have a perfect memory. Right. Right. And uh, even the woman who was playing uh, Jack, His mother, Dan's mother. Great. Uh, she doesn't look like she, she doesn't enough. She doesn't look like Shelley not, Duvall. I mean, it's hard to look, but she did a great job of doing her voice mannerisms. And a man- like mannerisms, in the beginning yeah. of the film, yeah. when Danny yeah. disappears and he's talking with, uh, he's talking with Halloran on the bench mm-hmm. and you hear, she's like, daddy, <laughs> daddy. And she's like, you hear her voice off in the distance and it sounds like Shelley Duvall. And then it runs up and it's a different actress, but she looks very much the part. They dressed her like they, they did a great job, even though they don't look exactly like them, of just breaking down my disbelief enough that I, 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 I would go with it without even batting an eye. Uh, but the scene that I was talking about where I felt like Dan's powers just, you know, the amp got turned to 11 a little bit and I wasn't expecting it was when he refuses to take that 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 drink and he's back in his apartment and it's that moment we all see in the trailer where he slides towards the red rum chalkboard mm-hmm. and he goes right through it into the van into the van right and i was just like now we were watching other people who shine astral project and stuff like that but it's not anything danny's ever done he does have that moment where he's like fuck it just do it like yeah he really just turned on and he tried to. He tried to turn on his maxed out shine abilities yeah. and 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 reach out to her and find her and yeah. and not bury into the booze and just get lost, um and 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 depressed. But it, it was a nice little turn. I went with it. You could see, you know, character wise, like he was just a sh- you know surprised that he could do it himself. Um, but it was. But he also did something that that even Rose. The hat didn't do, and I mean when Rose and, and Abra didn't do. He he controls his hands. He he doesn't just use he doesn't just use his telepathic powers. He uses telekinesis as well to turn the wheel. So I it's it's you, now you're now you're bending powers. Now you're he has two power sets. He's luckily it was such a dramatic. He's Jean Grey now. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you're able to nitpick that. I I, I let, yeah, I just kind of let that one go. I, I didn't really think much about it. Yeah, I mean, but but for me, so I'm just saying, it's it's two different. Like, there's there's 
telepathics and and telekinetics. Sure. And he, unless he, he told her to do it, but she didn't have her powers at that time because she was too drugged she was too up. Too drugged up. One of the cool things they did in that scene, though, uh, when when Dan jumps inside of Aber's body, is the eye color change, putting Ewan McGregor's eyes in the, in in her head was awesome. Like I, it was just, it was this nice little subtle thing, mm-hmm. but we knew what was going on as the audience, but it was this nice, like little visual representation of it. And, uh, he almost to a, to an extent seemed drunk in that scene, almost like using his power was filling that void of alcohol. Like, cause he was very confident, right? He was very confident once he got into Abra's body yeah. and, and, and he, he was very much in control of the situation. And you could tell that Danny liked that and he was going to yeah. hurt this guy. And part of Danny liked that too. Yeah. I think he, he felt that power and he felt that, um, like there was at least a possibility and capability of doing something right. and responding. Yeah. The man takes <laughs> so, the drink, the drink takes the man. And yeah. there's a little bit of Jack Torrance inside of Danny that I don't think like even Danny would. Well, you see in the first, you know, I think, first act a little right, bit. But, but I think I think Danny looks looks at Jack and sees all the negative he got from him, right? Like he get he 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 got alcoholism, and and I don't think he he looks much deeper than that. And anger, see, yeah. But yeah, that that's the thing. Like like he has a violent streak, right? Like he didn't really hesitate to pick up a gun and start killing True Not members. No, there wasn't much hesitation there at all. No, what, what do you think of that? He ve- he very much was comfortable with killing, implying that he had killed before. Now, we did get a, a thing in the beginning where he's in a bar fight and he beats the shit out of somebody and the woman who's sleeping with him says, you probably killed him. And he, he doesn't care then either. Right. So he is pushing it. Like he's yeah. taking like that fucking cue ball and just bashing his fucking guy's How head in. How fucked up was that though? When he's, when he's getting clean and he's in his new apartment and the woman he slept with and the baby that he left was are, pretty fucked up. are now ghosts that, that, that visit him. It was pretty fucked like, up. More ghosts from the past are visiting him and those are those are two that where there's not much he can do about the shining ghost showing up right that that that's a that's a childhood scar that that he, you know he eventually heals himself but that is something that he very well could have just prevented from mm-hmm. happening and I, I i only see that as now some people would say like oh it's just a nightmare that's his that's that's his guilty conscience so you know coming back into his nightmares but one of the things we learned from the shining and dr sleep is those nightmares are never just nightmares you know they are visions of something that happened or will happen or meaning. has happened yeah there's meaning to so more than likely that woman and her child are dead and it is as a direct result of the turbulence that surrounds Jack Tor- uh, Dan Torrance. Well, and also the life that she was living. Yeah. And that he was just a scumbag and fucked her and left and robbed her. Uh, and ro- <laughs> he robbed her. And, 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 and had no remorse. He right. didn't, he didn't um, try to, to help or protect the child or the mother. No, not at all. And, and that was... Yeah, guilty so, conscious. Like he's, I guess you could say subconsciously, it always stuck with him that he did do that when... He was told to right. not do it. <laughs> so, in the beginning, uh, a lot of the acts are introduced or broken up by Dick Halloran's appearance. Um, the beginning of the film, it's Dick Halloran showing up to him on the park bench. Uh, Dick Halloran never mentions when he died at all. So, it, obviously, in the in the movie, uh, Jack Torrance put an axe through him. Uh, in the books, he actually goes on to to help Wendy and Danny move on after The Shining. So, but it's very clear that he is dead and he's a spirit that that follows Danny around. And he is his Jiminy Cricket. He's his Obi-Wan, right? Like he shows up. And I love that line where it's like, it's time to pay it forward. 
Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you got a debt to pay. Uh, and I, and I did love that. I love that he teaches him how to lock the things away in boxes. And obviously it's, it's the shotgun on the mantle that's being shown to us in the first act mm-hmm. that has to come back in the second act. So during that final showdown in the Overlook Hotel, when Rose the Hat, very stupidly, by the way, like she's chasing Dan and Abra from New Hampshire, cross country. They make very few stops. They clearly have one destination in mind, and she walks into that destination without a second thought that well, this is a trap. Like what ego, what hubris you must have. She has nobody left, no guidance, just nothing but anger and hunger. She had nothing. She had nowhere else to go. Right. She had a mission. She was obsessed, and she was completely driven. Well, if you're going after revenge, dig two graves, <laughs> and certainly, certainly, that's what had to happen at the end of this. Uh, so she she gets there. She she gets to she gets to the Overlook Hotel. The first thing Danny did when he gets to the Overlook Hotel is he flicks the boiler on. Uh, just on full blast, uh, for, you know. Also to get the power running in the overlook and turn all the lights on, but also because he knows what's going to happen should he turn, oh, yeah. should he jack the boiler all the way up. And I, I love when when she comes in because they did this thing where we see inside Rose's head and it's a cathedral and it's all these index cards and stuff like that. We see inside of Abra's head and it's filing cabinets with vanilla envelopes and stuff like that. And we we get little glimpses inside of Danny's head, um, just just the maze covered in snow with these locked boxes that that are just you know in a line straight down uh, as far as the eye can see, just these locked boxes. And Rose is very good at getting inside side of people's heads so when she gets inside his head she's not even quite sure where she is and for us as the audience it's like this oh shit moment where it's like she doesn't even realize how fucked she is just by being in there and i loved that yeah i loved when all the boxes started flicking open and uh i love that rose is confronting him on the stairs where jack confronted wendy and wendy you know bashed him in the head with a with a baseball bat and that that's where danny gets his gets the axe into his leg um i just i, I loved when all the ghosts showed up and just tore rose the hat oh it was, it was great it, it was, was great. awesome I, I it was a really good surprise and a great like ending twist um but did you that think that the that the that the overlook but i was always the whole movie i'm controlling waiting to danny see was too much like i thought i thought that that danny that um, no, I just think Danny's possession I, was too much towards the end when he gets possessed at the end. I thought that was a little bit too much. Um, yeah, I, okay. I, I, I mean, I, I can feel that. I can feel where you're coming from. I do. Just, just a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. But again, like, you know, it's one of those things where he's almost dead at that point. He's getting, he's still fighting it. But the, the the hotel is like winning. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, and he's eventually going to um, either succumb to the hotel, or Danny's going to win and burn the fucking shit down. Right. So obviously, by turning on the boiler, he never expected to come back. Anymore. No, 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 no. That was his insurance. Yeah, it was always a one way trip for yeah. him. And, and I think he always knew that. I think he always knew that it was going to be so difficult for him to to walk away from those people, right? Um, and those 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 villains. You know, yeah. essentially, that's what they are. You know, they're the same type of villains. As- I, lo- I love what he said about uh, O'Grady, where he's like, O'Grady showed up with that shit-eating grin of his. 
<laughs> and when I when I walked towards him, he wasn't smiling anymore. <laughs> I love that, and I I did like I did like the ending where now that all the spirits from the Overlook Hotel are out and about. Um, with Danny not around, they have to attach themselves to someone else, someone who shines brighter than Danny did to Abra. And now she's gets to go on her mission of locking them all back up. Mm. And the the old crone from room 237 shows up in her bathroom at the end, and she tells her mother she'll be right there. And she walks over towards her, just like Danny did in the beginning of the movie. It was it, it, like a like like a, a great piece of music. It... It had a a chorus, it had a refrain, and it had a crescendo, and it its story beats repeated throughout. And it was it was honestly so much fun to to just pick up on all this all this stuff. Oh, it was a blast! I still am kicking myself. I actually got choked up because you know I saw this um, as a double header. You know this and and our other film Parasite. And yeah, we'll re- we'll be we'll have was, Parasite as a small review next week. It was one of the best cinematic days I've had in so long. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't mean, want to spoil the Parasite too much because we will do. No, no, not at all. But, but I mean, but they're completely different movies. But well, to some degree, I mean, they has some horror similar elements tones. to it. Yeah, but I was I came in with low expectations. Just ho hum expectations because yeah. I really did not think it was going to nail it like it did for me. Yeah, so yeah. I was very pleasantly surprised. But and this one hundred percent is not the type of sequel where I watch The Shining and I immediately want to put on Doctor Sleep. Right? They're two separate. They're two different experiences. Two types of different experiences. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. My 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 love of Doctor Shining Strange, is still like a like an it's individual a stupor <laughs> yeah. masterpiece where you just want to dive into it, right? And this is this is the thing that's that's this just is a little more a engaging, yeah, more fun, a little more thriller esque, yeah, um, a lot more characters and twists and turns and stuff like that. But it's 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 played up more like a regular traditional movie per se, exactly. But um, exactly a really good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just done it's all just done well and this was written directed and produced by mike flanagan that's correct right he um, did it all no edited edited okay. yes so so written, written directed, directed and edited. edited yeah so all him so he triple threaded the shit out of this movie it is it is round and, of applause and that's and 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 that's why his second season of the this Austin is going to keep him was, employed for quite some time <laughs> i think so man um it's exactly like what a lot of people were saying after Andy Machete did It Chapter One, where they're like, "You're gonna be seeing this dude's name a lot." Now that It Chapter Two's out, you're like, eh, "We'll see what he's got next." <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, gonna... I'm still optimistic with him. Yeah, I so am. I, I I do think it behooves both of them to stick in the horror genre for a while. You know, moving forward. I mean, especially for a guy like Mike Flanagan, this is his first major motion picture. Like, this is his first big movie. I I would like to see something of of similar style and tone from him next just to see what else he can do in the genre before he moves on to to do something 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 outside of of the of the horror thriller realm Mm -hmm. so uh that's i think i think that's it i think think, we're good i think i think we talked about it a lot here um obviously we don't have the time to touch on every nook and cranny of this movie but we're hit us up on social media about that kind of stuff and we'll dive deep in in the private chat yeah if you if if you want me to to go through you know how how dick harrowin said the car turns you know (laughs) like there's a lot of dark tower a lot of stephen king references throughout that uh for for the purposes of this show we're not going to go through them all because i understand that not everyone listening is a huge stephen king fan like 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 i am and some of the other people listening are but if you want to discuss that further with me you can reach out to me on twitter at super movie pod 
And you can also reach me on Facebook, Super Movie Bros Podcast, and also Instagram, Super Movie Bros. And, of course, we have two shining cocktails that were made. Uh, both could very easily slide right into to your doctor's sleep viewing experience. So if you want to enjoy those, you can check out Rob's cocktail from our last movie cocktail. Just go on to Twitter. Type in hashtag movie cocktail or do the same on Instagram and you'll see all of our movie cocktail recipes there. But if you want the one that me and Jay made specifically for The Shining, that one is only available on our Patreon. So if you want to get some of the additional content that we have up there, including special movie cocktail recipes, episodes, and uh, some sometimes just some fun pictures and stuff, it's only available to people who are patrons. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you head over to patreon.com slash Podcast, And for just $1, you can get all the additional content. I think currently, Jay, we have like 15 Patreon episodes that are just solely for patrons. So yeah. It's 15 episodes of, of Dave and Jay that you're missing out on. It's a lot of good stuff. And uncuffed. <laughs> please open your mental box and let your let your spirits out. And please, please find it in your heart to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. I want to thank all of you guys for listening. Have a great one. Cheers. Cheers. Johnny! Ah!